Equality of educational opportunity has long been a stated goal of education in this province. The polka dot door, the polka dot door, let's peep through the polka dot door. Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome once again to Saturday Night at the Movies. My name is Elwi Yost. Today's special, shout it loud and clear, today's special. When TVO first launched 50 years ago, it didn't just air English programming. Every Sunday, from noon until sign-off, the channel devoted broadcast time to French-language shows. It proved to be quite popular, so the Ontario government decided to spin off the French-language programming into its own network, eventually calling it TFO. It's now the only French television broadcaster in Canada headquartered outside of Quebec. Today on the podcast, we look at TFO's history and how it still shapes Ontario. Bon après-midi tout le monde! Bonjour Steve, comment vas-tu? <laughs> papier, madame, papier. Papier. Sauf okay. pour la technologie. Ah oui, bah, Oh vive, mon Dieu! Vive la technologie, hein? No, not vive la technologie. No. <laughs> This stuff makes me crazy. <laughs> This is, uh, you know, we, we've been trying to do these TVO at 50 podcasts, and I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. We've probably tried four different or five different platforms. Oh, I know. Can never seem to uh, get one to work twice in a row. My son just started this fall. He's staying at home, but he started at the University of Ottawa. And he has, some of his classes are synchronous, some aren't. But I think for every different class, including labs, he's on a different platform. So I'm <laughs> saying, I'm figuring if somebody like university, if a, you know, University of Ottawa can't get it straight, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it is, it We're is, trouble. you know, I, I do have some sympathy for them. I remember hearing the president of U of T, Merrick Gertler, say that, um, you know, we found out about COVID-19 and then we basically did in one weekend what we thought it would probably Absolutely. take 10 years to do, yes, namely yes, yes. move 6,000 courses online Fine. in one fell swoop. Well, madame, mm -hmm. without further ado, I should say that that voice belongs to Giselle Kenville, who has hosted numerous current affairs programs at TFO, which used to be the French arm of TV Ontario. She is now a senior producer at TFO. And Giselle, first of all, bienvenue, un plaisir. Merci, Merci beaucoup. People in Ontario may forget that when TV Ontario was created 50 years ago, it actually was a bilingual service. It was English and French. We have talked a lot about the mission of the English side on this podcast, but what did the French-speaking part of the service see as its mission and its role with Ontarians? Well, I wasn't necessarily there 50 years ago because I was just <laughs> a, a little wee one back then, but... Um, From what I understand, back in uh, in the day, um, French speaking French language programs were on the air. There were about five percent of uh, French language programs that were were offered, and little by little, it was expanded to I think it was about 17 or 18 percent. And essentially, um, what people would do is that um, uh, TVO the English broadcaster had a lot of transmitters throughout Ontario and on the French side, we didn't have so many. So what we would do on weekends and on Sundays in particular is that uh, the French language programs would sort of take over the uh, TVO's transmitters and uh, all throughout the day in, uh, on Sundays, uh, Francophones throughout Ontario would have access to uh, programs in their language. 
Giselle, I remember that so well. I don't know what you called it en français, but on the English side, we called it Switched Switch Sundays. Sundays. That's what we called yes. it en français as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know what? It used to drive the English side crazy because, of course, Sunday night was the best night for television watching. And that was the night that we gave up the English service to the French side. Yeah. So you guys got the better the better chance at better numbers, and, and we lost our best chance for our best numbers. Yeah. I'm guessing that on Sunday nights, though, there were probably a lot of foreign language films. Right. Right. And I'm That's guessing right. that it probably appealed to both groups. Yeah. Now, I know you weren't there at the, <laughs> uh, at the dawn of all this, because you would have been a mere tot at the time. <laughs> But, but when TVO, when TV Ontario, as it was then called, signed on, the, I mean, there was an English channel and, and all that, the only French programming that they had was from noon, I think, till sign off on Sunday. And yes. that was it at the very beginning. And then I think it was, it wasn't until 1987 that the French service got its own channel. It was called La Chaine. Yes. The channel. Yes. And eventually it got renamed TFO, Télévision Française de l'Ontario, yep. in 1995. And I guess I want to know, and this is now getting more into your time at the network, how big a deal was it, do you think, for, for Francophone Ontario to get its own channel? It was a huge deal because for the first time, Franco-Ontarians were getting programming in their language, but also in their culture, in the sense that up until then, um, what you were getting in French was Radio-Canada, right? It was the French service of CBC. But although it was in French, a lot of it was, um, was from a Quebec perspective. And a Quebec perspective is very different than a Franco-Ontarian perspective. A Quebec perspective, you are living in a major majority language bubble. Culture. Culture, yeah. whereas in, in French Ontario, you are living probably in English, but you're going to school in French and you're having dinner with your family in French, but you never have any access to programming that talks about your day-to-day -day life in your language. So I think for the first time, whether you were in Hawkesbury or Windsor or Penetanguishene, you were able to hear and see and talk about what you are living on a daily basis um, from your perspective. And you were able, the other thing you have to keep in mind is in, in, in French Ontario, um, there are pockets of French, a little bit here and there all over the place. Um, I grew up, I'm from Windsor, okay? So there are little pockets of French in Windsor. But when I was a kid growing up, you know, did I know that there were Francophones in Penetanguishene or did I know there were Francophones in Sudbury? Or, I didn't know that. But with programming that would talk to me about Sudbury and would talk to me about Ottawa and, and the Francophones in, in Toronto and Penetanguishene and Welland, I was able to understand that there were other Francophones um, living the same things that I was living as a, a teen in Ontario. I remember when I was, I think I was 15 years old. And uh, I, so this would have been, I don't know, kind of when La Chaine got started. I don't know if it was La Chaine then, but they did a program where they invited, it was on Franco-Ontarian teens um, and their outlook on, I don't know what it was. I don't really remember the content, but I remember the event because I was asked by my school to represent my school for this show. And it was up in Sudbury and it was at, at uh, Science North. And I remember they flew us out there 
on an airplane. I don't think I'd ever been on a plane before. I was 15 years old and they flew from Windsor to Toronto and then I switched planes in Toronto, went to Sudbury and stayed at the Valhalla Inn. I'm 15 years old. Can you imagine this, right? <laughs> and then this big TV production and I'm like, wow. And to think that I would be working there, you know, some 10, 11, 12 years later is, is something else. That's pretty neat. Well, what year, in fact, did you get to TFO? I got to TFO in 1996. And what did they have you doing then? They had me doing what they what the, what I did for the longest time. I was hosting Panorama. At that point, I was I had been working for Radio Canada in Toronto. I'd been working at Queens Park, and then I was I was hosting the Drive Home Show. And at this point, Panorama needed a host. They had a host, but they wanted a co-host, and they didn't really know who to go get. They didn't really know who was out there. And my husband at the time was working for Panorama. And he said, well, you might want to give Giselle a try. Um, so they brought me in for a, a screen test. I had never done TV before. I mean, I had studied it in journalism school and decided I didn't want to do television at all. And uh, so I did a screen test and, uh, and they offered me the gig, which was amazing because for many, many years, I was able to uh, be in people's living rooms every night, telling them what was going on in uh, in uh, in Ontario in French. And who was your co-host? Um, well, I did the first the first season. I was co-hosting with Adrien Adrien Quentin. I remember him well. He was another Queens Park guy. He was yes, and uh, and then after that, I co-hosted with uh, Pierre Granger, who was from. Uh, Radio-Canada in Ottawa, in Montreal. And then we hosted together for, I guess, about uh, oh, 10 years. Hmm. Now, yeah. Panorama, of course, was the flagship current affairs show for TFO. Yes, and when English people didn't know who I was, you know, and I saw, oh, I'm Giselle, and I'm from Panorama, TFO. And they're like, hmm, what's that? I don't know. I would just say, well, I'm the French Steve Pakin. And then they figured kidding? it out. Yeah, no, I always did that. <laughs> I bet you you never said, I'm the English Giselle Kenville. <laughs> oh, only in Hawkesbury and Sudbury. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing I always loved about Pierre, Pierre Granger, I mean, he had this wonderful French cultured uh, aura about him <laughs> and this wonderful French name. What was his real name, Giselle? His real name was Russell Blackburn. It probably still I is. Love that. Yeah, I love that. I love but, that. But you know, back in the day, you couldn't, you couldn't, um, you couldn't have a name like that and be a broadcaster in Quebec. You, it just it wasn't done right. So you had to, you had to change your name. I, I didn't have to change my name, but I remember when I was working at Radio Canada in Windsor, I had done a couple of items in. Uh, in, uh, in English for, for CBC Radio in Windsor. And I signed them off, Giselle Kenville, CBC News, Windsor. And I was told, no, people aren't going to understand what your name is. You're going to have to anglicize it. Hmm. You know? Well, I'll tell you what. I, if two Quebec premiers can be named Daniel Johnson, I don't know why he couldn't be Russell <laughs> Blackburn. Blackburn. You know, exactly. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Now, uh, you know what I really find fascinating, this issue about how, about how TFO really spoke to the Francophone Ontario community in a distinctive way than, say, Radio Canada would have spoken to the majority culture in Quebec. Because, uh, of course, Francophones make up, what, 5% of the population of Ontario? Yeah, about that. Uh, so, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. so you are, you are really narrowcasting to a, to a particularly, I guess, underserved segment on Radio Canada, right? Is that how you felt? 
Well, you know, I had been working at Fedzio Canada for the for for a few years in Windsor and then in in Toronto, and I always felt that I I, I didn't. I don't know if I, I should say if I didn't belong, but at that time, a lot of people who were working in our newsrooms were from Quebec, were from Montreal, and their objective in life was to go and work in Montreal. Whereas my, you know, objective in life wasn't necessarily to go work there. And I remember I did go a couple summers. I worked out of Montreal, and and I didn't feel like I belonged because it wasn't my culture. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't my politics. It wasn't. It, it didn't really have anything to do with what I, what I sensed was Francophone Ontario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when the opportunity to come to TFO uh, came up, and I and I arrived there, it was it was it was so refreshing to know that who I was working for, the stories that I was telling to whom I was telling those stories and the people that I was working with, it was clear that we wanted to tell stories from Francophone Ontario. We didn't need to work our stories for a Quebec audience, right? We were able to tell the stories that we wanted to tell unfiltered and, uh, and, uh, and that's what we did. And that was so refreshing to me when I arrived at TFO to be able to do that. Hmm. Now, do you know, Giselle, whether or not I mean, I presume most of the people watching TFO are Franco-Ontarians, but do you know how many Anglo-Ontarians were watching either to improve their French or just get a sense of what some of the issues in French Ontario would be? Any idea about that? I don't I don't have any numbers per se, but anecdotally, I would always, you know, come across people who would say, oh, wow, well, I watch TFO to, to improve my French or, you know, I get people... Um, you know, I, I would be on the on the, maybe on the subway here in Toronto, and someone would say to me, "Oh, I saw you on TV. You're a French uh, a French broadcaster." And I would start speaking to them in French, and they would say, "Oh, but no, I don't understand. I can't speak French, but I I, I watch it to uh, to uh, find out what's going on and to uh, and to practice my French." Cool. Yeah. I mean, I I used to watch it to uh, <laughs> to, to improve my French as well, and. Um... To the extent that I have any French at all, I'm going to give TFO a lot of the credit for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not to mention my French teacher back in Hamilton 50 years ago, but that's another story. Uh, you know, the next story I want to talk to you about is is one of the, my happiest and ultimately saddest memories of TVO and TFO, and it's this. I got to TVO in, I think, August of 1992. So it wasn't long after that we were in the middle of the Charlottetown referendum, mm. and it was a big constitutional discussion. And TVO, and La Chaine, as it was then called, the French side, decided that we were going to do, I think, a two-hour special. And I would host 20 minutes in the English-speaking studio with my English-speaking guests, and they ran French subtitles. Mm-hmm. And then I would throw it to my Francophone colleague, who was in a... French-speaking studio with French-speaking guests, same building, but different location. And they would conduct their discussion for the next 20 minutes in French with English subtitles. And we went back and forth like this several times. And the same broadcast appeared on TVO and La Chaine, TFO. And I thought, isn't this a great way to bring our two solitudes, if you like, closer together? I loved that broadcast, and I tried to do more of that at TVO over the years, 
and I never could. How there just come? was never. I, you know what? I don't know. Because there was I know never, we would talk about it every now and I then, know, and you would shoot it out, and I'd be like, totally okay. I'd like, this is great. It sounds like it's a great idea, and it never really caught on did it? it you know what when you kicked it upstairs to management yeah. they would always find some way to say and this is on both sides i think yeah. they would find some way to say oh it's too difficult or we can't coordinate it or and it was such a shame because we had other things you know the referendum in 1995 would have been another opportunity yeah. to have anyway we had more chances and i'm sorry it never happened yeah. well okay i'm now going to bring up an even sadder um development in the history of our two channels which is we used to of course be two separate entities, but in the same organization, TVO mm -hmm. and TFO were together. We had one CEO, we had one board of directors, we had one chair of the board. And then in 2007, oh, Giselle, mon Dieu, we got a divorce. We separated. We were, able, we were able to do what Quebec wants to do, wanted to do for the longest time. We did it like in a matter of, you know, months. It was quick. Yes. You, 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 you guys went to Premier Dalton McGinty at the time and said, we want to be our own entity with yeah. our own board and our own CEO, and it happened. Yeah. Now, why was that important for TFO to happen? It's, it was important for TFO, and it, it was important for, for the Franco-Ontarian community, because when you don't have to ask an Anglophone majority, when you don't have to convince an Anglophone majority of what you want to do, what you should do, it's a lot easier. You're sort of, you're, 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 you're deciding on your own destiny. And that's something that happens not just, it just didn't, it's not, didn't just happen at TFO. It, it, it happened with the schools. It happened with the colleges. For the longest time in Ontario, you had French language schools that were um, managed by uh, Anglophone boards, for example. So if you wanted, if you were French and you wanted to, to, to build a school, for example, you had to go ask the English language trustees if you could have money to build that school. Well, if the Anglophones also wanted to build a school and there was just enough money to build one school, what school do you think got built, right? So kind of the same idea with TFO, not that you know we didn't like you guys or you didn't let us do what we wanted to do, but we just felt that we could do more of what we wanted to do our way without always having to negotiate um, with uh, the English people upstairs. So you got to be the maître chez nous that Quebecers never did. Well, I don't know if I, I mean, that's another debate. I don't know if you could say the Quebecers never did. But anyway. Oh, um, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with that and sort of, uh, sort of deciding on our own destiny. And I mean, we do some of the same things with children's programming and, 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 and that sort of thing. But a lot of the things that we do now that were separate are, are very different. We've gone very different ways just in, in information programming, for example. We no longer have a daily current affairs show. We've gone, our information is all now online and uh, we have an actual news, you know, we cover news more than we do current affairs. Whereas you guys have decided to go the, the current affairs route, just different. Um, but, uh, but, but, but we were able to decide that that's what we wanted to do. And you think it works better this way? Hmm. I kind of miss the daily show myself. <laughs> um, but, but it does, I mean, in, in the age of, of internet and, and social media, um, we're able to really connect with the people we need to connect with. And it's easier to connect with them that, this way. Okay, and let's bring it right fast forward to the to the present day now. What are you doing at TFO? To describe your responsibilities. Um, I'm senior producer of ONFR Plus, 
Um, ONFR is, is kind of a hashtag for Ontario Francais. So uh, I am the senior producer for that. We have within that umbrella, we have uh, a news team of uh, five reporters who uh, cover the news on a daily basis, but from a Franco-Ontarian perspective. And uh, then we have a, a, a group of uh, four um, producers, directors, who um, uh, will do short videos on different, you know, they'll do profiles on the oldest resident of Salton, Ontario, for example. Or uh, we did a series on why it doesn't matter if you have an accent, you know, that sort of thing. And then we have a little group of people who do uh, uh, arts and culture. So right now we're working on a series that's called Stuck. And uh, Stuck is for the pandemic. Um, when we started into COVID-19, the person who covered arts uh, said, gee, I don't know what to cover now because nothing's happening in the arts world. So she called up a different uh, artist and said, so what are you guys up to? And they all said, well, we're kind of stuck at home. So <laughs> literally, <laughs> on est stuck à la maison. And uh, she, uh, so she did a little series of, uh, a little short three to five minute series where they were filming themselves. And uh, we did a series called Stuck à la Maison. And then this fall, what we're doing is uh, we've, um, we've decided to follow nine artists throughout the pandemic to see how their art, how their creative process has evolved um, throughout the pandemic. Interesting. So, okay, yeah. one last really unfair question. Okay. Of Doug Ford, Andrea Horvath, Stephen Del Duca, and Mike Schreiner, who's got the best French? Okay. Uh, <laughs> none of them. <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct answer, I'm afraid. I don't think you know, any of them speak funny French. Because, because, I mean, this is the first time in a long time when we haven't had a leader of a party speak, uh, speak, uh, speak French. You know, we've been, you know, I did many sit-down interviews with Dalton McGinty and Kathleen Wynne, and it's always been, you know, fairly easy. Um, but they're, you know, we're back to that time where none of, none of the above speaks French. Although Doug Ford says he's taken lessons. So he says, <laughs> I, I do remember, in fact, the very first time that all the major party leaders spoke French in Ontario, and it was 1985, after Frank Miller won the convention yes. for the Conservatives and became Premier, he, he could speak French fluently, mm. David Peterson, the leader of the Liberals, could speak French yeah. fluently, and Bob, Bob Ray, Ray, the leader of the well. NDP, could. And I, I saw you shake your head a little bit when I said Miller could speak fluently, but but you know he could do it. Yeah. And there was a, there was a moment in question period when when both Peterson and Ray got up to ask questions in French, and Miller answered in French, and that would have been the first time ever, ever. that happened. Yeah. Thirty five years ago. Yeah, we've been trying for the longest time to do a leaders' debate in French, and we always get one of the three who doesn't feel comfortable enough to do it, so we've never yeah. been able to do it. Courage, mon ami. Keep trying. <laughs> that is Giselle Kenville, a senior producer at TFO. Merci beaucoup. C'était un grand plaisir de partager cette émission avec vous, madame. Merci beaucoup, Steve. À la prochaine. Au revoir. Bye-bye. <laughs> Each week, we've been asking you to share your TVO memories with us. Here's a lovely one from Aidan Johnson. As a kid growing up in Hamilton in the 80s, I had a bunch of favorite shows, all of them on TVO. One that made a particularly deep impact was a dark and eerie TVO original production, Read All About It. 
a magical combination of sci-fi, suspense, and educational programming, Read All About It follows the adventures of four Canadian kids as they solve an intergalactic conspiracy. The villain of the piece is a terrifying, disembodied, extraterrestrial head named Dunedin. His face still pops up in my dreams. Dunedin feels that the best way to foil the kids is to lay traps involving word games, reading, and historical knowledge. The kids match wits with Dunedin while running a newspaper out of a cool back-alley coach house in fictitious Herbertville, Ontario. The show was actually filmed in Brampton between 1979 and 1981. I learned from the show how to write a couplet, that asking nosy questions and writing articles is a powerful way to create change, and that reading is a way not only to solve mysteries, but to reveal the existence of mysteries, fascinating and new, always all around us. Read All About It was a touchstone of my childhood. I'm grateful to TVO for making it so. Thank you for that, Aiden. If you'd like to be on the podcast, record yourself, as Aiden did, and email the audio to us using the address tvo at 50 at tvo.org. That's TVO, A-T, the number's 50 at tvo.org. And we'll play these on future episodes. That's it for us. This episode of TVO at 50 was produced by Katie O'Connor and Matthew O'Mara. Editing by Matthew as well. Research help from Kate Petch and Carol Elder. Our production support coordinators are Jonathan Hallowell and Nikki Ashworth. Next time on the podcast. It was a lesson in narrow casting because while I was doing this show, Prisoners of Gravity, I was also co-creating, co-writing, co-starring, and directing some seasons of The Red Green Show. So, uh, yeah, it was a- Which was just like Prisoners of Gravity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nobody who watches Red Green watched Prisoners of Gravity, (laughs) and everybody who watched Prisoners of Gravity turned their nose up at The Red Green Show. And I said, look, it's not Hee Haw, watch an episode. But anyway. (laughs) I'm Steve Pakin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.